Don't waste your time spending hours researching your fantasy baseball team when we do all the work for you. The experts at Roto Rants and Daily Roto help bring you the top fantasy baseball advice to win you loads of cash every day. Now, to give you the top fantasy baseball advice, here are your hosts, Max Kirschbloom and Braden Horn. Hello and welcome back to the Roto Help Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershbloom, and joining me as always is my co-host, Braden Horn. Braden, how you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited for this NBA draft. There's already been people trading, trading up, trading down, so pretty excited about that. That'll kick off in a couple of hours. How are you, Max? Oh my god, I really, I can't wait for the NBA draft. I love basketball. It is my number one passion. I've been playing basketball my entire life. I follow the NBA like crazy and um, the problem is is that my nets are just awful and uh, with the 29th pick I'm hoping to get a guy like Terry Rozier but I have no idea what's going to happen with them but really I just can't wait for the NBA draft so so uh, let's get right into it. Uh, just a quick run through of what we're going to do today. We're going to have um, we're going to be talking about I mean just like the NBA draft is going on we're going to be talking about some notable um, draft picks throughout MLB history. Just an interesting fun segment right there. Then after that we're going to be going on to um, a segment on streamlining pitchers and daily pitchers of really cheap guys and really interesting guys that you guys really need to look at in terms of in your season long league some guys to pick up and in daily if you're looking for those tournament plays, these are some really interesting guys to have. After that, we're going to be having Gabe Isaacson from Fandings on, really unbelievable expert in the fantasy baseball industry. Can't wait to have him on. And then we're going to end off with our draft pot corner. You know, Brandon, just like we've been talking about, the NBA draft is going to be tonight. And uh, so, like I said, I, I want to go through just some notable picks throughout MLB history in the draft. So why don't we start with, we're going to do two players. We're going to say... Um, Give me a notable first-round pick, uh, some guy that is picked in the first round, and um, a notable late-round pick, a guy who was picked post the 10th round or later. So uh, who, who are guys that you want to talk about here? So I don't think this will come to any surprise, but Bryce Harper was the number one pick in the 2010 draft. Um, he's been absolutely just unbelievable lately. Uh, he's played in 139 games in 2012 alone. With his first year in the majors, 597 plate appearances. He had 22 home runs, 98 runs, 59 RBIs, and 18 stolen bases. And that was a heck of a rookie year. He has 79 career home runs in three and a half seasons. And the best part about this, he debuted at 19. So he is only 20. I think he's like 22 and some odd days old. This kid is young. He's already just destroying pitchers, notable pitchers. And he's so young, he still could potentially, if he pulls a Derek Jeter, he has another 17 years in him. So he's, I think he's got to work on his attitude a little bit. But, I mean, he takes that attitude on the field and hits the baseball extremely far. He is my notable first round, and he was the number one pick. And I think he's proving why he was the number one pick in 2010. Oh, yeah, this guy is just, he's unbelievable. I mean, he's batting 340 so far this year with 24 home runs, 53 runs, and 58 RBIs. The guy has just been incredible, and you can't say you're surprised. This is a guy who's been followed throughout his career since he was 15 years old and just a little crazier. Guys, the guy's on pace to score 119 runs, hit 54 home runs, and hit 131 runs batted in with 122 walks. So, I mean, this guy is just a monster with 466 on base percentage. Bryce Harper, he's 
He's one of the stars of the league right now and going to be a star for in the league, one of the top players with Mike Trout for the next 10 years. This guy is just unbelievable. Um, a notable first-round pick that I want to talk about is a little bit on the other end. Um, a guy who was an overall bust. I mean, he has just been awful. And that's Tim Beckham. He was the number one overall pick for the Rays back in 2008. He's got a career 268 average in over 25 had 2,500 at-bats in the minor leagues. I mean, he has just been awful. He hasn't been able to do anything in the minors or the majors. He came up originally with a lot of pop and some speed, and um, but he's just done nothing at this point. And right now he's injured. He played in the beginning of this, in this year, but he was batting below 220, so even then he wasn't doing anything special. Uh, very sad for, for him, some guy who had a ton of potential, and also the Rays who invested a lot in him. Uh, very sad situation there. But, um, you know what, Braden, now we're going to go on to um, a notable late-round pick. Who's a guy that you like? All right, this might come as a shock if anyone just started paying attention to baseball in about the last five years. But Jose Bautista came up as a third baseman for the Pirates in the 2000 draft. He, and this is what jumped out to me. This was very, I, just knowing baseball, he was the 599th pick of that year in the 20th round. He was a Rule 5 pick. He was then selected off waivers, traded twice, and played for four teams in his first year Major League. Uh, it was unreal. Four teams in his first years. But you got to think about it, though. I mean, between the years 2004 and 2009, he struggled horribly. 2010 came around, he hit 54 home runs for the Blue Jays, and since 2010, he has 198 home runs and a 30.7 war. war. Some, I mean, Max, like 2009, 2004 to 2009, we talked about how he just struggled completely. Then 2010 came around. And what, what jumps out to you is people say he's on PEDs or steroids and he's just never been caught. I'm not going to go out on a limb. I'm not going to try to burn him at the stake. But, I mean, they kind of, just looking at the numbers, 2009 with the Blue Jays, he played in 113 games. He had 13 home runs. 2010, he played in 161 games and had 54 home runs. That jump is unbelievable. And the next year, he had 43 home runs. And it's never been that high since. So, I, it, it makes you wonder. And um, that, that's a pretty big jump. I remember the jump that Barry Bonds made and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa made. So it leaves you wondering, but what just threw me for a loop was the 599th pick in the 20th round. For the first ten, about five years of his career, though, it, it kind of showed why he went that late. Yeah, I, ter- he, there's definitely a possibility. I mean, during that time, a lot of people were taking steroids, but I mean, that initial jump is something crazy. I mean, 13 to 54 home runs is crazy. And like you said, after that, after the 54 and 43, he never was able to reach that again. But that's largely due to injuries. I mean, he had 27 home runs in 332 at-bats, 92 games the year after that. So he was definitely on pace to get up there. Same thing next year, 28 home runs in 452 at-bats, another injury-plagued season. And then last year, when he finally played a full season again, hit 35. So he's definitely getting up there. And I mean, he's got in 227 at-bats this year, he has 15 home runs and 50 RBIs. So he's the power is definitely back, and he's on pace for 33. So we'll probably never see that 40, 45 home run power again, but uh, really interesting that this guy went so late in the draft. And for me, I'm going to go with a bit of an old-timer here. This one really surprised me when I was doing research. Mike Piazza. 
Mike Piazza was drafted in the 62nd round in 1988. 62nd. I mean, we're talking about one of the, arguably, the best catcher in baseball history. All the conspiracies and everything that went on behind, forget about that. But just in terms of the actual statistics itself, this is this is a guy who is widely considered the best catcher in baseball. He had 427 home runs in his career with 308 career average, 10-time silver slugger, two-time runner-up in MVP voting, and he's just one of the best catchers to ever play the game. So to me, I I cannot believe this guy won in the 62nd round. That's really incredible. That that's a really far down there. I would never have guessed that. Just knowing his career that he's had, uh, that that is very surprising to me. That's even more surprising than the Jose Bautista part. I mean, obviously, because that's so far down there. But yeah, that that is unbelievable. The DFS industry is booming and new websites are coming out all the time. Some sites take on the exact same rules and settings as other sites, while others decide to change up the industry in a good way. DraftPot.com is doing exactly that. They're giving their users the ability to draft the way they want. Great cash payouts and an awesome user-friendly interface makes this site a contender as one of the top new DFS sites out there. Go to DraftPot.com right now, use the promo code ROTORANTS, get four free dollars to start playing with, and win money tonight. Yeah, DraftPot.com, unbelievable DFS website. It's a show we talk about, it's a website we talk about all the time on our show, and they're they're just incredible with all the different uh, updates and different tournaments and all the different sports that they're adding. They're just a game changer within the industry. They're really incredible. So again, go on draftpot.com right now. Sign up with promo code ROTORANTS to get four free dollars at sign up. You don't even need to deposit at first. You get the four free dollars. You play with it. You win some cash with our picks that we're going to be giving you at the end of the show. And you're going to fall in love with this site. All right, Brandon, now we're going to be talking about some streamlined pitchers and some daily pitchers. And that for season-long guys, these are guys you really want to look at if they're on the free agent list. And for daily players, these are guys who could be really cheap for tournament options. Really interesting plays. So um, I, I, I'm going to start off with some daily players that I think are really interesting tournament options. And for, I, I'm going to roll off three right here. You let me know what you think of them. First one, Alfredo Simon. I mean, he's got a 1.58 ERA one whip at home. So this is a guy, when we're talking about these daily plays uh, for tournaments, these are guys that I'm talking about only if they're playing at home because when you're playing a daily and you're playing these tournaments, you need all the different factors to fall into place. So when he's got those numbers at home, he plays for a great team in the Tigers. It's a great situation for him. And for a guy who generally doesn't strike out so many batters, he's got 32 strikeouts and 40 innings at home this year. So he's definitely a guy who is usually very cheap in daily formats. So he's a guy that I definitely roll with if he's playing at home, got a good matchup, I really like him. Another interesting guy is Jesse Chavez. He's got a 1.75 ERA and 1.06 whip at home. And in 135 career innings at in Oakland, uh, he has a 3 ERA. So you know he's a safe option whenever he's playing at home. And this year he's been even more dominant at home. And he's also a guy who could strike out a nice amount of batters. He has a K-rate for the past three years, above eight per nine. So that's pretty good. You're almost getting a strikeout inning there. He's also another guy that's pretty cheap. And one last guy, he's a little bit more expensive than a guy like Simon and Chavez, but a guy I really like is A.J. Burnett. He's got a 1.27 ERA, 1.05 whip at home this year. And he's a guy that he's just a veteran. He knows what to do. He strikes out batters. He's been playing well, playing on a good team in the Pirates. And uh, I really like A.J. Burnett. Who are some other guys that you're looking at? Now, I really like all three of yours. Uh, Simon, he 
he's surprised me. When he started, he started off great this year. I thought there was absolutely no way he was going to be able to keep this up. But so far he has. He does have that potent offense behind him. So, I mean, he could keep this up all season long. I'll go with another one for Daly, and then I got a year-long one. But Nick Martinez, I mean, I this guy, the wheels have to come off soon. But you need to play him until you do. I do I do realize that he makes a great tournament option. The wheels will come off, so you're going to have him in one start that, as of right now, a 5-3 and three record. Uh, and the Rangers were really struggling to begin the season. Then they started heating up. Prince Fielder started heating up. Chu started heating up. 5-3 um, and three record, 277 ERA, 1.33 whip, the f- only 50 strikeouts. So you're not looking for strikeouts. You're not going to be getting that much. So if Nick Martinez, possibly in your year-long league as well, he could get you that quality start. I mean, you're not going to get as many strikeouts as maybe you're, you might be used to. Um, and, I mean, right now he's playing some good baseball. He's been able to hold some power-hitting teams down, and he's held the Yankees down, the Indians lefties who mash, and the Angels. I mean, he's dominated all three of those in his starts. So I, it, I cannot believe we're this far into the season we're still talking how Nick Martinez is a good option for pitching. And just kind of for streamlining for uh, uh, year-long, you, you always have to look at their matchup first and foremost, dig into their numbers and history against the teams they're going up for. And also there are a few articles out there, sometimes we post them, they'll show you the two start pitchers for the week. Streamlining them will hopefully get you two wins, and it depends on who you're at, but I really love Adam Warren, regardless if he's on the Yankees, but he's a back-of-the-rotation guy. He has a 5-4 and four record. The 362 ERA is kind of up there, The one, but, and a 121 whip, 50 strikeouts as well, so you're not going to get the strikeouts from him, but... He's gone at least six innings in his six of his last seven starts, and even went eight innings, giving up only two earned runs and seven strikeouts against the Tigers' offense, which amazing for me. The best part is he's only 15% owned in Yahoo League, so he is on the waiver wire, and you can still get him. I know I can still get him right now. I just have to figure out who to drop. But if you're, if you're not looking for the strikeouts, you're looking for a quality start, the ERA is going to get you a little bit, but he's got the he has the potential for the win with the Yankees offense when they're clicking. So those are the two guys I wanted to talk about. And just the Adam Warren, how well he's been doing, you never hear his name out there. No one ever uses him for daily. I'm using him tonight on Victive because there's just not a lot of options tonight to be able to pick from. But I really like those two, regardless DFS or year-long league. I think you could stream either of those pitchers. Yeah, Adam Warren is a guy that we talked about on last podcast that we really liked. Talked about him with the Fantasy Moses. And uh, he's a really interesting option. He could strike out some bats. He actually pitches pretty well at home, which is surprising in Yankee Stadium. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. He's a really interesting option. Uh, I'm going to roll off another three pitchers for you in terms of streamlined pitchers. One guy is a guy that if you see him pitching at home um, maybe once or twice in the week, a guy I really like is Tom Cullery. He's He's got great numbers at home, below 2 ERA, low whip, and um, he throws hard. He's got a nice home ballpark in terms of obviously his numbers, but also just in general. It's a very big ballpark in Miami, so he's a guy that I really like. Uh, Another two guys, Mike Montgomery. This guy has been really, really good. And guys, if you don't remember, this is a guy who was a top pitching prospect for the Royals, but different injuries and then some bad seasons in the minors, the the guy just lost his, his... pedigree right and now everyone's seeing that this guy has great potential and so far for the Mariners this year he's had five starts 
And one of those starts, he went seven and a third, seven innings, four and runs. That was his worst start. His other four starts, six innings, one and run, seven innings, two and runs, six innings, one and run, and then just this past game. Guys, we always talk about that you never want to pick pitchers going against KC because the Royals just never strike out. What does Montgomery do? Nine innings, four hits, no one runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts. Unbelievable performance by him. He has a 2.04 ERA so far on the year. Um, big pitcher, six foot four, lefty, young, 25 years old, pitching in Seattle. He's a really interesting option for me. And one guy, guys, if this guy is still available in your league, you have to pick him up right now, and that's Jaime Garcia. Yes, he's always had an injury concern, and he won't wow you with his velocity, but he always gets the job done. This year, He's got a 1.69 ERA, 0.88 whip, and he hasn't given up more than three in runs in any start so far this year. Add the fact that he plays for one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball, and it's just a team that, in general, does very well with all the players that they have. They develop pitching very well, and Jaime uh, Garcia is a really interesting option. Looking back in his career, he's had four years where he's had a below four ERA, um, three years below 3.6, and a year below three. He had a 2.7 ERA one year. So this is a guy, a really interesting pick. And if he's available in your league, pick him up right now. And those are all streamlined pitchers and daily pitchers that we think are really, really valuable for you guys to pick up. All right, we'd now like to welcome onto the show Gabe Isaacson from Fandings. Fandings is an unbelievable sports debate app. Gabe, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Max. It's uh, uh, a treat to get to come on here. I know that uh, from Twitter and from everything else, we get to meet up, but it's always nice to talk in person. Oh, yeah. I really remember what we talked about last time. I was actually thinking about it before before you came on, talking about Max Scherzer and his walks and Luis Valbuena and that home run in the in the average. But, I mean, those things have stayed the same. Luis Valbuena's got tons of home runs, got a terrible average. Max Scherzer, the walks continue to stay down. He's been one of the best pitchers ever so far this season. So, I mean, it, it's it's been really interesting. And the things that we talked about, they've stayed true. So, uh, good for us. Yes, yeah, certainly. We were high on Valbuena's power. We were high on Scherzer. We were a little down on Moustakis. And all in all, we uh, I think we did pretty well that day, Max. Definitely. And you know what? For all our listeners out there, we're going to try to do a good one today as well. So let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about guys who surprisingly, either surprisingly or not surprisingly, have had a good amount of home runs and stolen bases and potential really interesting options as a double threat guy for you in fantasy. So we'll start off with a guy who's been unbelievable so far this year, and that's Manny Machado. I mean, this guy's always had the potential to be a star and came up as a top prospect in baseball, and it's finally coming out. Hopefully I'm not jinxing anything here with an injury. Over the last two years, he suffered some pretty bad injuries, but Machado not only has great power with 14 home runs, but he's also had the steals with 11 so far this year. So what's your outlook on him? What numbers can you see for him for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's one of those things. Your first instinct is always, okay, how, how are they doing it? And often it's something that's an outlier. It's something that just doesn't add up. And with Manny Machado, the more you look at it and the more, I mean, the more you think about his pedigree and the more you think about him as a player, it feels like a good player, a good young player, 22 years old, becoming the great player we expected. I mean, he's... He's swinging at the first pitch less. He's seeing fewer strikes. It really feels like pitchers are pitching around him a little bit. I mean, I don't totally believe in lineup protection, but without Nelson Cruz there, he's certainly seeing fewer strikes, but he's swinging and missing less. He's striking out less. I mean, I don't know. I mean, ESPN has him in the top 40 for the rest of the season, and it's really hard for me to think that he's not a top 40, top 30 player uh, going forward. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And man, has this guy been raking in June? I mean, if you look at these June numbers, batting 374, 20 runs and 17 RBIs, six home runs, this guy's been probably the best player in June. I, I mean, you got guys like Giancarlo Stanton as well. So I guess you can't say the best, but definitely one of the biggest surprises in June. And to me, that that power is going to stay for sure. I mean, we saw just a few years ago in his rookie season, he had 51 doubles, which everyone believed was going to translate to power. And then last year, injury injury made the season a little bit shorter, but he was on pace for 25 home runs. So the power for me is definitely is definitely for real. The thing that's weird for me right now is the steals. The steals are coming out of nowhere. And uh, for me, it's a bit of a concern because we're talking about a guy who over the last two years has suffered some pretty bad leg injuries, bad knee injuries. So you think that a guy who with so much potential, you wouldn't really want him running around on the bases. So I think right now with 11, he might get to 15, maybe 20, nothing more than that. But for the future, I I mean, I don't think Manny Machado is going to listen to my advice, but I'd stay away from it. I don't, and if I'm the Orioles, I don't want him to steal so many bases because I want this guy in my lineup as much as possible. And I don't want him running the bases on these stolen bases and getting some type of injury. But in terms of the rest of this year, I think he's definitely a top five guy, top third, third baseman. Um, rest of the way, he's going to be fighting out with Nolan Arenado. Um, but in terms of dynasty and keeper leagues, this guy's got to be one of the best ones out there. Certainly. The thing, that's an interesting point you made about, about the speed and about, you know, does he have the ability to consistently steal bases? Should he, if he does? And the one thing I, I noticed certainly is he came up, we all know he came up as a shortstop prospect, great glove, great defender. But the one thing that, you know, the book on him was always that he's going to fill out a little bit. He's going to be too big for shortstop. He's going to be too strong for shortstop in some kind of weird way. I remember reading that the Keith Law wrote that, that he was going to fill out. And if you look at the numbers, the offensive numbers kind of match the narrative. His hard hit average is up. He's hitting more fly balls, all of these things. And you'd have to think he's 22 years old. If he gets a little bigger, a little stronger, you know, speed doesn't usually come along with that. And, uh, you know, you probably would think that there's going to be a little more power and a little less speed, you know, as soon as this season and definitely going forward. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Manny Machado, I, I think he's going to be amazing. And um, and like I said before, I, I, I can't see those steals staying, and I don't think it's good for him to keep up these steals. So we'll just have to see. But for the rest of the year, unbelievable option. Um, another interesting guy who's been really hot of late is Jason Hayward. So far on the year, he's got nine home runs and eight steals, and he's batting three forty three in June with three home runs in the last three games also. I mean, the guy's on fire. What are your thoughts on Hayward and you know, everyone thought he was going to be potentially a top 20 outfielder this year. Do you think he's going to reach that level this year? I really don't. It's so funny. And it's funny, you know, what you think about a guy versus what you, you know, read, you know, objectively about a guy. I have always been a huge Jason Hayward guy. Absolutely love the guy, love the pedigree, love the skill set, just was so in on this guy. And then the more I really dug into it today, I was concerned. I don't know. I was I was pretty surprised. He's eight of nine stealing bases this year, though he's really closer to 70% for his career, whatever, small sample size all around, not a huge base stealer. Um, in general, and I, I certainly wouldn't peg him for really fifteen for the you know for the whole season. Even I don't I don't think that that really stays up. But the really concerning part is that his batting average is right around his career norms, but his on base percentage is way down. He's striking out more. He's walking less. First career hits about as many ground balls as fly balls, and this year he's hitting four ground balls to every three fly balls. A lot more ground balls. He his hard hit rate is down. It's it's scary. I mean, if if this kid weren't, you know, whatever he is, 26 years old, however young he is, 
to me, it would look like an aging player. What it would see to me is that, you know, he's seeing the same number of strikes, but he's swinging and missing more ground balls. It feels like a decline of bat speed more than anything. Pitchers are challenging him. They're not afraid of him. And the other thing, this is the last thing that really stuck out to me, is that he's a left-handed batter, and traditionally in his career, if you look at his splits, he's not very good against lefties and great against righties, as you would expect. And if you look at his splits for this season, he is getting killed by right-handed pitching. He looks, if you look at his platoon splits this year, you would think he was a right-handed hitter as platoon splits are so bad and you know for a guy you didn't you didn't know whatever but this guy career has always been so good with the platoon advantage and now he faces a strong majority of right-handed pitching and is just getting killed on that side this this was a bad statistical profile here in my opinion yeah i definitely hear you and you know the good thing is is that you know what fanding's great sports debate app and you know what maybe we might get some debate in here i mean i actually really like jason hayward and i agree with you in the beginning where i love jason hayward just as a guy I mean, the guy is just awesome. He's a nice guy. He's one of the, he's the best defensive right fielder in the league, and um, he just plays an unbelievable defense. And he's always a guy that's had unbelievable potential. I mean, let's not forget this guy was the number one prospect in baseball for two years. So um, he's a really interesting guy for me. And you know what? That April that he had this year was just horrendous. He batted two seventeen. But if we take out that April, okay, and we look at what he's done in in May and in June, we put it together. He'd be batting 310 with 25 runs, 7 home runs, 23 RBIs, and 7 stolen bases. I mean, if if we saw that over the first two months of the season, April and May, everyone would be saying, man, this is one of the best fantasy players out there. Um, I agree with you. The walking is very scary. It's at 5% right now, and he's never been that guy who doesn't walk so much. But you know what? I think it also may be that he's walking less because he's not in the leadoff role anymore. When he was batting leadoff for second for the Braves, he had to take those walks. But now when he's in the five, four, six, one of those spots within the Cardinals lineups, he's got to be more aggressive, knock in those batters. So I think that may be one of the reasons why his walk rate is down. I obviously don't like to see it that low. But um, we're also talking about the Cardinals, where they're a team that always know how to develop hitters. They're very good with all the people that they develop and all the people that they have. So I actually really like him the rest of the way. I think top 20 is for sure the ceiling. But in terms of floor, I would say he's top 30 top thirty outfielders. I, I actually really like Jason Hayward for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I like the talent, certainly. And, and if I, you know, J- Joe Sheehan, I don't know if you get the Joe Sheehan newsletter, and I, I certainly wouldn't spoil too much of it. It's worth subscribing to, and he's phenomenal. But he had a great piece today that basically he said that the correlation, he ran a statistical simulation or just, you know, ran the stats on it. April records, team records versus May records. And the point was, was that the correlation from April to May was basically zero. You would be basically better off not knowing a team's April record in order to predict their May record. And certainly the point being a bad April doesn't indicate that Jason Hayward's a bad or declining player. And uh, I would happily discounted on the fact that I believe in the talent and I would rather believe in May and June than April. Uh, Here's one thing, just a last thing on Jason Hayward, because I was just thinking about it a little bit today, is that without Matt Adams in that lineup, they don't have a lot of left-handed bats at a high level. And there's a big rumor, not a big rumor, but a lot of speculation that at the trade deadline, they want to go out there and they want to get a left-handed bat, maybe someone to platoon uh, at first base or in the outfield or something. And I don't believe in lineup protection. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But what I do believe is that if a team has a good left-handed reliever and every eighth inning they can bring him in to face Jason Hayward, it's different to where if a team has multiple left-handed relie- multiple good left-handed bats in the lineup, you might see different reliever usage. He won't get targeted with lefty one-out guys. I mean, maybe he still will, but maybe he won't. And uh, I think an acquisition of a left-handed bat, oddly enough, could actually help Jason Hayward in the Cardinals lineup a little bit.
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Really interesting point there. And I really, what, what was that um, blog you were talking about? Joe Sheehan. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's a great, great, great baseball writer. Um, He writes big features in Sports Illustrated every week. And he has an email newsletter. And it's, I don't know, goodness, it might be $30 for a whole year. And he has unbelievable content. I mean, I certainly don't need to go out here and, and advertise for Joe Sheehan. Uh, he's among the best in the business. But he is you know, I feel I'm a pretty smart guy. I follow baseball and I feel so enlightened every day when I read his content. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. I definitely got to check this out. And for all you listeners out there, uh, Joe Sheehan, you're lucky. You just got Gabe Isaacson to uh, promote you. But yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to look him up. Uh, but yeah, Jason Hayward, I really like him for the rest of the year. I think he's got great potential still at a very young age. And uh, lately he has just been raking. Another really interesting guy in terms of speed and power is Steven Souza. And He's definitely getting the power and speed, 14 home runs and 10 steals on pace for 31 home runs and 22 steals respectively, but he's also batting 228 and he's on pace for 200 strikeouts. So are you a Sousa fan? So I actually loved Sousa coming into the year. I have Sousa for $1 on one of my biggest dynasty teams and uh, I've been ecstatic about it. I Though I've gotten some offers where I'm actually getting close to the point where I could consider selling on Steven Souza. He has he strikes out 33% of the time, as you noted. That's among I mean, that's at historic proportions if he gets to 600 plate appearances. Um, and the home run to fly ball rate, which I'm sure stuck out to you, was a 25%. And the league average I looked over the past year and a half is seven and a half percent, which we know. And I have to tell you, for any player with as many plate appearances as Souza, as Souza I don't think I've ever seen a 25% home run rate in my life. Uh, and so that was pretty amazing. He swings and misses a lot. He swings at the first pitch 14% more than the league average. He puts 20% fewer pitches in the play than the league average. I was looking at this today and it's like humorous. I don't know. Um, but I have to tell you, the one thing that stuck out to me that I was a little bullish on Sousa in terms of a skill improvement, in terms of, okay, we know what the guy is, we know what he's been, but how could he get better? How could he sustain this and or get better? And the one thing I noticed is that he strikes out a lot. So this is a pretty good sample size. He he strikes out looking on almost half of his strikeouts, and the league average is for about a quarter. So 75% of strikeouts are swinging strikeouts, which makes sense. Two strikes, batter chokes up, they have to protect the zone, you know, whatever you want to say. And... Steven Sousa, basically, it sounds like he has a really bad two-strike approach. He's taking third strikes. And so I think that we see here with a young guy and a smart organization, if he starts taking some rips at these, you know, 2 counts, puts the ball in play, we know he has speed with these steals, suddenly maybe that batting average could be up to 250 with some bad bit block, who knows? And uh, there could be some found gold here with a small, with a small skill improvement. Yeah, Gabe, didn't everyone learn in Little League that with two strikes, swing at anything close? You know what? I, I wish someone had taught Steven Sousa that because I think he missed that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a. I agree with you. That's unbelievable analysis, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's a guy that might be an interesting guy to sell right now for anyone who thinks um, with the power and the speed. I mean, he not thinks. I mean, he's clearly got the power and speed, so he's definitely a valuable player. But I mean, when the guy's batting two twenty eight and his BABIP is over three hundred, that's pretty scary. I mean, that that's not good at all. I was. When I saw the 228 average and I went to look on Fangraphs at his uh, BABIP, I was expecting something like a 240, 250, 260, but 300. I mean, 
that's something you could expect for the entire year. So that's that's pretty scary for me. He he strictly pulls the ball. He's pulling the ball at almost 50% of the time. He's only hitting the ball opposite field 16.6%. So, I mean, that's not good in terms of your average. He does hit the ball hard. He does have speed, but I'm really not such a fan. He's definitely a guy that will get you 20-20. I mean, he's more than halfway there in terms of home runs and um, halfway there in terms of steals. But for me, those strikeouts and that batting average are just too much to take on. And um, I, I agree with you. I think he's a really interesting sell-high candidate. Yeah, just two things that stuck out to me. One, to your point about the BABIP and about the batting average, and certainly to my point about the contact rate, which isn't complicated, but that those players tend to be very streaky. Tristan Cockroft at ESPN talks about this a lot, is the low-contact, high-power guys tend to be very streaky. When you're putting the bat on the ball, you're hitting it in the seats, and when you're not, well, you're just watching it go to the catcher's glove a lot. And uh, certainly if you're looking to sell Souza, you know, there is going to be a bad seven day stretch and there's going to be a good seven day stretch. And I would just be very cognizant about recent, you know, uh, recency bias when you trade Souza because there are going to be severe ups and downs with a player like this. And then the only other thing, and Tampa's a pretty poor offensive team, so this probably isn't an issue, but he has very severe platoon splits. He's a right handed hitter who hits lefties much better. And if Tampa were to acquire a bat or certainly to improve that bench in some capacity, you could see him pulled against some late inning right handed relievers because he does struggle very mightily against right-handed pitching and uh you would hate to see that cut into his at-bat totals because he certainly is going to be a volume counting stack guy more than a ratios type guy yeah i couldn't agree with you more i it's an interesting um interesting sell guy and uh you guys might want to see what you could get for him at the, at his age and potential you might be able to get a lot for him so see what you could get and now we're not going to go too far we're going to be staying on the same team and I know this is a guy not many people expected would be doing this, but Logan Forsythe, he's got eight home runs and seven steals on pace for 15-plus in both the categories. Is this one of the most underrated players in baseball right now? I, I mean, I sure think so. I I, on, I really like Logan Forsythe. I, I've been on the bandwagon for about a couple weeks now, and every day I look at his ESPN ownership percentage, it's like 55% or something, and then I look at these guys more owned. I mean, Devin, Devin Travis, who hasn't played in a month, and... And I'm, I looked at some of the guys ESPN has ranked ahead of them. Andrelton Simmons, Alcides Escobar, Gene Segura, DJ LeMahieu. By the way, DJ LeMahieu, who had a bad of like 420 a couple weeks ago. I mean, come on. This stuff was killing me. But I, I really like Logan Forsythe to cut to the point. I, I think it's an improvement guy. He's hitting more fly balls. He's cut the strikeout rate. His contact rate is up. He's always been a pretty good percentage steal guy. Hitting the ball hard, you know. I don't know. I don't know what's not to like. I mean, middle infield in this league is just so rough right now. I mean, especially with some of these guys that are struggling and whatever with injuries and whatnot. I mean, how he isn't at least a middle infielder in any ten team league, uh, I, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't. You couldn't tell me why he isn't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what more could you ask for from a from a guy who plays middle infield who's doing everything for you? Uh, he's hitting for. Average, he's getting you steals, he's getting you power, he hits in a power slot in the lineup, so he's getting you some RBIs as well. I mean, what more can you ask for from this guy? And just to touch on what you were saying before in terms of he's always been an interesting steals guy, a steal rate, the guy has not so much to go with, but he has 26 stolen bases and only 5 caught stealing. So, like you said, he's been a really good base stealer, and um, I I really like him. I think the one thing that's not sustainable to me is this 292 average. His BABIP is higher than normal. Um, his career average is 247. But the power and the speed are definitely legit. 
And um, he's actually, I don't know if you saw this, but he's got some pretty funky splits, kind of like Jason Hayward, where you would expect a guy like Logan Forsythe, a righty bat much better against lefties than he would righties. But against lefties, he's batting 253, and against righties, he's batting 310, which is pretty interesting. So I think that's where we're going to see, that's why the average is more at 292 as opposed to a little bit lower. But to see this guy with double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, bat 260-270, batting in a power spot in the lineup to get 75-80 RBIs, this guy for sure is one of the most underrated players for me and a guy that I really like for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I would say about the batting average, and I do agree it's going to come down, but the one thing to say is that, you know, you know, this three true outcomes league we play in where it's home runs, strikeouts, and walks. The only thing that's different about a strikeout from a ground out is that you can get lucky on a ground out. And, uh, you know, his BABIP is high and that's driving a lot of his high batting average. But these lucky ground ball singles that he's hitting right now, they're not in place of ground outs. They're in place of what used to be strikeouts. And the point only being is that when you put the ball in play, you can get lucky. And if he's going to continue to strike out a lot less than he has in his career, you know, whatever the batting average comes down. But there's a chance if he hits the ball hard, you know, it still does come up a good bit from that career average. And so maybe we do find a happy medium as opposed to some of that gambler's fallacy regression where it could go the whole way back down. Yeah, guys, if you are not impressed with what Gabe is talking about right now, you guys are just crazy. I mean, what he's bringing up, all the things that he's bringing up, this is why we love to bring him onto the show. He is unbelievable. Uh, one last guy I want to talk to you about. We won't won't spend as much time as the other guys because it's not a speed and power guy. But, I mean, in terms of speed and power with his pitches, Jose Fernandez, he's coming back. He's going to make his start July 2nd. And um, this is a guy who was one of the the best, if not the best, with Clayton Kershaw, pitchers in the league before he got injured. Where do you rank him in terms of pitchers from now until the end of the season? All right, I'm going to ask you something real quick. Before I ask what you think of him, tell me where you think, and ESPN comes out with a rankings update every Wednesday, at least for a reference point, I find it to be a phenomenal resource. Guess where they ranked Jose Fernandez from, for the rest of the season among starting pitchers? Uh, I got to guess top 10, maybe 8 or 9. You know what? I wouldn't have been that bullish, but I would have probably, if I had to guess, I would have guessed 20, 20th, 22nd. And this week, Tristan Cockroft had Jose Fernandez at starting pitcher 40, 143rd overall. Wow. Exactly. And so that the reason I ask you that is not certainly to put you on the spot, and certainly you don't you need not agree with him, and it doesn't really matter, frankly. But the point being is the perception doesn't match reality in some cases more than others. And a guy like Logan Forsythe, people may look at his ESPN ownership percentage, see it at 55 and think he's worthless. So where Jose Fernandez, maybe the ch- there's a chance that the perception exceeds reality. And uh, for me, in situations like this, he's the kind of guy that between now and next Thursday, whenever he's making that first start, I would be trying to sell. Um, I like Jose Fernandez. I love the skill set. And in Dynasty, I'd want to hang on. But, you know, when, if, 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 you know, the team's 30 and 43. They figure to be closer to 90 losses to 90 wins. I don't see him getting pushed deep into games, a lot of innings. You know, maybe they skip a start here and there. Certainly, he, you know, you, you don't want to line him up to maximize his innings or starts. You just want to get him out there, have him ready for opening day next year. And if I could trade him for you know, hell, even a top 30 starting pitcher, even a guy in the back end of the 20s, like a Jordan Zimmerman, Tyson Ross, Garrett Richards. You know, I love Jose Fernandez. I think that relative to perception, I would probably be selling right now before he makes that first start. Wow. Wow. The, you know, the, the, the unknown is sexier than what we do now. Yeah. I, as you could tell from when you asked me in the beginning, where I would rank him, 
I love Jose Fernandez from now on till the rest of the year. I agree with you. He's probably not going to get the innings where he's probably going to go seven, eight, or nine in many starts. But, I mean, just... Just his last start in the minors, he went seven innings, one and run, nine strikeouts. So he's going a bunch of innings, so maybe he might be able to get seven innings, six innings a night, which is great for me. And when you look on fan graphs, I've spoken about this before on the podcast. You look, I mean, they rate his fastballs, curveballs, changeup, and command, right? So out of fastball, he's 70 out of 70. Curveball, 80 out of 80. Changeup, 60 out of 60. Command, 70 out of 70. I, it's just insane what this guy is able to do. And when you look at his numbers over the first year and a few weeks, maybe a month into his career, the guy was on par with Clayton Kershaw. I, he's he's unbelievable. So for me, I have him in the top 10 from now until the rest of the year. Obviously, if we're looking at cumulative stats for the rest of the, for this whole season, he's not going to be in the top 10 because he didn't accumulate any stats for the first three months. But for me, I really think he's an interesting option. And uh, Gabe, thank you so much for coming on. It's really unbelievable to have you on. And uh, Gabe, if you don't mind, let me just ask you one more question. We were talking before we came on. You're a big NBA fan just like me. I talked about earlier in the podcast how I'm really excited for the NBA draft. Not to put you on the spot here, but give me one player in the NBA draft that you find is one of the most underrated guys, maybe a potential star in the league. Sure. Oh, that's a great one. I actually really like that. Uh, A guy who I really like and, you know, we get so caught up in potential, and certainly there's some of these potential guys, like even a guy who might go undrafted, like a Robert Upshaw, who I'm really uh, attracted to the upside. But a guy who I really like, and I think is going to be an impact guy, is DeLon Wright from Utah. Uh, I, I went to Georgetown, I followed Georgetown, and watching Utah beat Georgetown in the NCAA tournament, certainly I was a fan of DeLon Wright's all season. They were Virginia of the West with that defense, and he's a big guard who's ready to make an impact, certainly as like a third guard on a, on a Washington or Houston or Chicago uh, and you could see him playing 18 minutes in the playoffs next season, a guy who I think is NBA-ready, and I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I talked to my friends about him the other day, and I kind of see some Sean Livingston potential in him. A big, tall point guard, unbelievable passer, not a great shooter, great defender as well, lanky guy. He's a really interesting guy. I couldn't agree with you more. I really like DeLon Wright, and we'll see where he ends up tonight in the NBA draft. Very exciting. I know you're very excited for it as well. And uh, Gabe, again, thank you so much for coming on and can't wait to have you on again in the future. I'm looking forward to it already. All right. See ya. All right. See ya. Again, we just want to thank Gabe Isaacson for coming on. As you guys can see, he is unbelievable. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle will be put at the bottom of the podcast. So after the show, make sure to follow him. He's really unbelievable. All right. Brandon, now we're going to be going out to the DraftBot Corner. Guys, DraftBot.com, one of the best DFS sites out there. You guys got to check it out. Go to DraftBot.com right now. Sign up with promo code ROTORANTS to get four free dollars when you sign up. Unbelievable. You're going to fall in love right away. All right, we're going to be talking about lineups for tomorrow's games in terms of the fan mode and the GM mode. So, uh, Brandon, why don't you give our listeners some plays for each? All right, so I kind of want to go with the GM mode. I got three that I want to target, and most of them are probably pretty cheap considering at their positions, but I really like Melky Cabrera. He's going up against Anibal Sanchez, and I know Anibal Sanchez has been pretty good lately, so this would obviously only be in a tournament option only, but Cabrera, he's 14 for 27 with a double, four RBIs, and a 519 batting average against Sanchez, so I think he goes under the radar. Another outfielder david de jesus 10 for 25 with a double a triple and a 400 batting average against rick porcello now i don't know if you paid attention max but the red sox are absolutely floundering right now they just put dustin pedroia on the dl 
They are not hitting well, and they just sent Joe Kelly down to the AAA after he claimed he was going to have a Cy Young year to begin the season. So the, I don't think I think the Red Sox are the Red Sox of 2000. What was it? 2012 or 2013 when they were just absolutely terrible. They were just. I mean, they were texting in the dugout. They were drinking beer. I mean, they're still texting in the dugout, and they're still doing their whole uh, liking on Instagram. So that that team is a mess. I do not expect them to give Porcello much run support. So he makes a very, very good tournament option. And I think a good option for GM mode, whether or not that is a tournament or cash, anything you're looking for, Joe Maurer, four for six with two home runs against Kyle Loesch. He's pretty cheap. He's, he's still got some pop. I really like him. And then two people I want to talk about real quick before I finish my part for the fan mode, Bryce Harper. Now, be aware. I don't know if he's going to be in. He did sit today. He did not play. Um, but he's 10 for 22 with a double, a triple, a home run. And he's going up against Aaron Harang, who's absolutely terrible. He's been absolutely horrible lately. And if Bryce Harper's in the lineup, I do not think he goes for less than one home run. I could see a double home run day from Harper. And I want to go back to the well. I want to go Cespedes against Jose Quintana. I know he didn't really do much last time, but the guy's 8 for 12 with two doubles, four home runs, and a 667 batting average against Quintana. I think he gets destroyed by the Tigers. You look for a Tiger stack on there. And those are my plays for my GM mode and fan mode. Yeah, that's scary for me because I have Jose Quintana on my season long, and he's been rolling of late. He's been dropping his ERA. He's now down to 3.92, and uh, I'm very nervous about this Tigers game, especially going against Cespedes, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right, just another few plays. Um, in terms of GM mode, a guy that you're going to need to see if he's in the lineup, but just in terms of BVP, Dan Ugla, uh, he's 9 for 29, batting 310 with four doubles, two home runs, and eight walks against Aaron Harang in his career. And if Bryce Harper's not playing, you might see someone move to the outfield and then Dan Ugla come in. Um, he's a guy that I really like. Obviously, Bryce Harper, if he's in the lineup. Another GM mode option. Normally, you'd think this is a fan mode option because hearing his name, you always think he's a star, but he hasn't been this year, is Adrian Beltre. He's back now. He always crushes against lefties, and he's going to be facing Mark Burley, who in his career in 39 at-bats is batting 308 with two doubles and a home run. So I really like him. Um, after that, Brett Anderson. Um, he's going against the Marlins, and while I don't really like any Marlins in terms of BVP, Giancarlo Stanton is just on fire right now. He's hitting a home run almost every single day, and going against a lefty? I mean, that's that's cash right there. you got to get him in terms of fan mode. And then another GM mode option that I really like is Luis Valbuena going against Nate Eovaldi. Nate Eovaldi has just been awful against lefties so far this year, giving up a 380 average. And while Leo, Luis Valbuena is not going to help you in terms of average, but batting below 200, the guy's going to crush home runs. He's in the top five in in the league in home runs. So those are all guys that I really like in terms of DraftBot for tomorrow's games. And that's it for the DraftBot Corner. Guys, again, go on to DraftBot.com right now. Sign up with promo code ROTORANTS to get four free dollars when you sign up. All right, Brayden, that's it for today's show. Gabe Isaacson, thank you again for coming on. It was really great to have you. And uh, guys, make sure to stay tuned for Sunday's live DFS show. We did it last week. We want some more listeners on there. We want to answer your questions. And Joey Levy, the CEO from DraftBot.com, will be joining us on the episode as well. You can ask him any questions you want about the site. So make sure to join us on Sunday. Uh, Braden, good luck with all your games tonight, and uh, can't wait to do it on Sunday.
Good luck to you as well, Max. And yeah, everyone, please hit us up on Twitter. Ask us some questions. We'll be tweeting out the link to the live show, hopefully Saturday, if not Sunday early morning. Guys, get on there. Be able to ask. This is probably the only time you're going to be able to ask a CEO of an actual up-and-coming DFS site questions. So definitely check that out. And good luck, Max. As always, guys, bring home that bacon.